0: Welcome to the Situation Report for June 6th, 2023. June 6th. The invasion of Normandy took place on June 6th, 1944. Fitting for today. And I think it's interesting that the conversations today are all about a dam being blown up by the British SAS in uh, Ukraine or U.S. Special Forces. People are talking about and posting all over both Telegram as well as 2Social that Tucker Carlson released his first video on on Twitter. But nobody's talking about the situation at the border and how that's developing as we get closer and closer to the two-week stay ending for Title 42. And there's a, a number of things converging all at one time, and people aren't talking about them. But I want to talk about the pistol brace ban that just went in place because it shows you that gun owners are not going to play. So there's 40 million pistol braces in the country. So 40 million gun owners have pistol braces. Only 250,000 people registered their guns as as short-barreled rifles. If If you're not familiar with that whole conversation, I'll give you the Reader's Digest notes. Under the National Firearms Act of 1930, anything that was a short barrel, a machine gun, explosive ordinance, fell under the National Firearms Act. And in order to own such items, you have to apply and get a special tax stamp and you can own a short barrel rifle, you can own a suppressor, you can own a machine gun can't do rockets mortars and artillery but for the most part you can actually own the tubes you just can't, you can't own the uh, the ammunition but the ATF and their infinite retardation figured well we'll just ban pistol braces and every. we'll make everybody register their short barrel rifles so we know exactly who the insurgents are and Literally, every gun owner in the country went, hey, go fuck yourself. That's a good example of mass noncompliance. And look, the reason why I'm bringing this up is very simple. This is the tip of the iceberg for mass noncompliance. People have had enough. I've said before, I'm going to keep saying it, one of these days it's going to resonate. When America, Americans take a lot of shit. When they get to the point where they're done taking shit, there's a, there's a switch that flips. And when that happens, all bets are off. We're there. We're just waiting for the catalyst to start. Everybody knows there's something wrong. I was was having a conversation tonight with, uh, um, a 30-something out in California. And uh, she she basically asked me, do you think this is going to go, do you think this is going to end up in gunfire? And I'm like, absolutely. And she goes, I wish I wasn't awake. I'd rather be surprised. I'm like, not this time. This time you don't want to be surprised. You want to be wide awake. Because then you can start making plans and you can start reacting appropriately where most people are going to be bewildered, confused, and probably dead. All that matters. All of it. And what matters about it is the fact that we have a host of different foreign countries that have all brought military-age males in. It's going to be very important for every neighborhood, every community to organize mounted defense build a perimeter, and start pushing them out. I can't emphasize that enough. This is, and I've said this three years now, this is going to start at the local level. And you're already seeing the control mechanisms falling apart. The wheels are coming off the train right now. Here in Arizona, you've got individual counties that are voting to do hand counts and get rid of the machines. The Senate here just passed a bill that they can't use machines in the up- next upcoming election. And the control mechanisms, the lawfare is starting to break down as well. and they're not they haven't been successful in all the different aspects of lawfare that they've wanted to use. The pieces of the puzzle are falling apart. there's There's parts falling off the car right now, and the elite don't know what to do to stop it. Does that mean they're going to give up and capitulate? No. They're going to take this all the way to the end. This is brinksmanship. And unfortunately, they don't care how many Americans die. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. In the in the strata that is the elite here, they don't care. They They really think that we're subhuman. We don't we don't need all these people on the planet. We can we can burn a few hundred million and still be okay. That's how these people think. So you want to be wide awake. You want to be organized and actively right now in your communities. And you want to be growing food if you're not doing that already. Now's the time to start doing all those activities. And you know, I've said this, I think, in my last two sit reps. I continually get asked you know how do you think how do you think this is going to develop well if I was a betting man, I'd say they're going to they're going to pull some kind of a a mass event where they shut off all the power across the country in the heat of summer and they take down comms as well they'll blame it on the usual suspects the russians putin whatever else but Americans are going to see right through it and What's funny is is that just in the last two weeks, I've had conversations about comms with probably a 100 different people, and it's the conversation's always the same. What kind of comm gear should I have? Look, I don't have long-range comms. I'm not a ham radio operator. I don't have the time to go get the license. I tried to do the licensing stuff over the weekend and get set up to take a test. But you want to talk about a clusterfuck of a of a situation to try and get licensed to be a ham radio operator. You you would think in the 21st century that we would have a system for licensing people that would be as easy as as GMRS or some of the other, you know, um, low powered radio systems that are out there, but no, no, it's not only not intuitive. It's, it's a complete goat rope. I, I, even the, even the federal communication system website is a complete clusterfuck. It's completely, it's completely unintuitive and not user-friendly. And then on top of that, you go out to the, the, uh, what is it called? I have to look it up because I was, I was, uh, pretty frustrated on Saturday trying to figure this out. And. The interesting part of it was you would think that there would be a step-by-step, you know, checklist or process for it, but there's not, there's like, you know, the ham radio, um, ham radio relay league that does, they have a website that tells you how to go through it, you know, and there's this, all this, this stuff to go around and, you have to you have to jump through all these hoops. Essentially, this is how it works. This is what I've been able to pick up. And I'm probably even wrong about this. And this is after, you know, three or four days of trying to research this to figure out what the hell it is. But essentially, you you have to have a call sign. And you have to have a call sign to be able to operate a ham radio. But to get the call sign, you have to take one of three tests through what's called a uh what do they call it? AVE or MVE or whatever the hell they're called. And it's basically it's an association of ham radio operators that administer the tests. And then once you take your test and you go pay your fee and submit whatever your test results to the FCC, and, and, you know, sometime in the future, a miracle occurs and then you get a call sign. And then you can start registering radios through all these different websites and using your call sign. And Somewhere in that navigation, you have to study and figure out if you want to be a technician, an operator, and I can't think what the other test is. I got to the FCC website. It was like, go fuck yourselves. This is retarded. This should be straightforward. The FCC should have a a list of things that you need to do to get your license. Like the ETF, as fucked up as the ATF is, they're squared away when it comes to getting your Hey, your FFL. You want to be a federal firearms licensed dealer? It's a very easy process. It's time consuming, but they tell you exactly what you have to do, exactly how to submit your application, what the background checks look like, what the interviews look, look like. And I spent a whole day um, with my with my ATF um, um, rep, and they were great. They they came out, they asked us questions, they they put us through a whole day training. It was basically, they walked us through how we have to do everything. And we took copious notes. And we still have a good, I still have a good relationship uh, with, with uh, my ATF counterpart. And look, get away from the legislation and the policymaking side of the ATF. There's a lot of good people in the ATF that are not douchebags. A lot of them are former military, a lot of retired military. In this case, in my case, it's, it, this person's retired military and super helpful. And where I'm going with that is, the F- you would think that the FCC would actually have a website that was intuitive to tell you how to be a ham radio operator. And they've delegated the authority for testing. Well, let me tell you what that looks like. You got a bunch of old guys that do their ham radio shit on the side. And they don't want to change anything because they're all they're all bitter, apathetic technology haters. So they make you go through the same ass pain they went through to take the test and do all the things you have to know. Most of it's probably not important today because radios have are so much more sophisticated today than they were before. And not to mention you have digital and analog radios. So you can program digital digital radios, which is super easy to do. That's the easy part. Programming the radio. The hard part is all the bullshit you have, to gotta, you have to go through to get a fucking number to put in the fucking radio to register with the fucking website filled with old guys that won't let you in the fucking site without a fucking call sign. But you can't get the fucking call sign unless you take the bullshit test from the bitter old guys. I felt like I was back at Home Depot talking to the pansexual trying to figure out what the hell that even meant. Talk about a monumental waste of fucking time. And if there's one thing that I can't stand, it's really bad technology. And the the FCC's website is the epitome of bad tech. Just to do it, so I was like, okay, if I'm not going to do the ham thing, I'll go get a call sign through the, the GMRS stuff. At least I have that. I'll get that going. No, I can't even tell you which website to go to on the FCC website to get the GMRS, you know, uh, license and the whole call sign thing through that. I just raised my hands this morning. I like I got better things to do. Fuck this. When the when the grid goes down, I'm going to turn on my radio and I'm going to say a, a hundred times, just like Dorothy did. There's no place I come. I'm going to go fuck you FCC. Fuck you FCC. God. Ass pain. It's dumb. And I think it's purposely made hard because you got a bunch of control freaks that are bitter technology haters that make it hard just to make it hard. And so Saturday, I went to a GMRS, a local Arizona GMRS meeting here in, in Phoenix, and I made it an hour and 15 minutes. And I was I was sitting in the car beforehand, and the person I was with was uh, was saying, you don't really want to go do this, do you? I go, I just figured out why. I fucking hate radio guys. I fucking hate them. All they do is talk in numbers. They talk in clicks and hoots and call signs. And I usually don't know what the fuck they're talking about. When the comma would come into my tent as a battalion commander, I would stick my hand in his face and say, I only want to know two things. Number one, do my comms work? And does the battalion comms work? Yes, sir. Get the fuck out of my tent. I don't care how you did it. Make sure they're up or I'm going to fire you. Yes, sir. Get out of my sight. Because every time I'd ask a commo, and I was a commo. Every time I'd ask a commo how shit worked, I'd get a three-hour dissertation on shit that I didn't care about or have the time to listen to. And the quintessential question was, Are you guys? do you guys have a Telegram channel? Blank stare, deer in the headlights. That's a no. And then they're welcome to all the new people. You need to sign up. But the only way you can sign up is to have a call sign. I'm like, here we go. That was the epitome of the whole day. They, they, they bitch about not having people join, but they want you to go through an unintuitive process to get a call sign that's required to sign up for their organization. But no instructions on how to do that. You starting to see the problem with the whole whole shit show? I think that adequately defines the entire United States government right now. Completely off the rails. No structure whatsoever. Nobody's abiding by the rules. Nobody is working together. Complete shit show. And then you have Ukraine. Ukraine, which is... The epitome of all things evil and bad on the planet, all in one place. The so the damn situation. I'm gonna hold off on of talking about that. I'm in the process of working with two of the lieutenant colonels to do a live chat on Telegram. I I think it's scheduled for this week. I got a you know, I've got to uh, touch base with them, and I sent them a list of topics today to talk through, and hopefully we can coordinate times, either tomorrow night. Wednesday night, the seventh, or Thursday night, the eighth, probably at uh, five thirty Pacific time. So more to follow on that. but we're gonna do a round table. We've been trying to do a round table forever. I, I still want to get uh, uh, Colonel Donna and um, Colonel Jenkins to come on and do a round table. both super smart guys. Um, in addition to the two that I'm working with right now. And you will be happy to know, folks, that more and more senior-level officers are coming out of the woodwork and they're getting involved now because they know they, they know something's wrong. They know they can't hide in the shadows anymore. And you're going to see more of it over the next couple of weeks. As, as things develop over the coming weeks, you're going to see more and more former military, current military, Stepping up. I have no doubt. I have no no doubt of that. But focused in your local area because that's where everything's gonna devolve down to the neighborhood. And that's why I've been saying line of sight, sphere of influence for over two years, because that is where you need to place your efforts. It starts there. And it's gonna continue to grow from there. But it has to start there. You have to build trust locally relationships locally, organizations locally. And really what you're doing is you're banding together to feed each other and protect your children. That's what you're really doing. Disregard the stuff. The stuff's not important. The stuff is stuff. The thing that matters is that you have unity in your local area as things develop. And then you can create a barter system, you're going to have a bunch of different skill sets, people to be able to do things, fix things, build things. All that's going to be very important when all this kicks off. And interesting side of that is today, somebody sent me Mike Adams podcast, his local, whatever he's calling it now. And I listened to a few minutes of it. And he was literally saying that, um, they're predicting that World War III is going to kick off before the end of the year. I'm like, no shit. Wow. Thanks for that, Mike. I mean, he's look, he's a doom prophet. He, he, his whole broadcast was red alert. And the premise of his his doom alert today was that they're taking F-15s and F-16s and aircraft out of mothballs at Davis Mothin, and they're moving into supposedly the Philippines and to uh, Eastern Europe. Well, we knew that, and, and just so you know how that process works, when we mothball aircraft, we it basically is all the fluids are taken out of the aircraft. the uh, the cockpit's sealed up. They have a special coating they put over the cockpit. They have special um, tape and special coverings for for all of the air intakes, all of the, the speedo tubes and everything else. So they can preserve the aircraft in that in the, that environment. And it's, it's not as hot as it is here in air in Phoenix and down in, uh, Davis Moth cause they're like 15 or 16. I think they're 2,500 feet. Anyway, it doesn't get as hot there as it does here. So you can store things outside and it does a lot better than it would up here because of the heat and, um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of other uh, factors here but anyway cycling aircraft in and out of what's called IMARC is not a it's not an uncommon thing things are brought out of service brought back to service and moved around for a variety of reasons and it's usually done because they need spare parts or they need to replace an aircraft that's been uh, dx'd for you know either damage or a crash and you know, we've had several crashes over the last several months, so it would make sense they're bringing aircraft out. And even if they're bringing all these aircraft out, I mean, we're talking a couple hundred airplanes. Once you bring these airplanes out, you got to have somebody to fly the damn things. Well, we Biden's already said he's going to give F-16s to the Ukrainians. So it would stand to reason he's going to take F-16s that are mothballed, that are end of life, and send them to the Ukrainians because he knows they're going to get shot down anyway. I mean, there's always a means to the madness for for what they're doing, but I don't associate that with this massive conspiracy that they're going to start. They already know World War III is coming. They're going to move all this this old shit into into an active combat zone. There's a lot of pieces that have to happen. It's not a it's not a zero sum thing. You don't just rip the tape off the you know the air inlets and throw the motor back in and put fluids in and drive it away. It doesn't work that way. There's you have to replace parts. You have to go through the avionics. You have to start the engine. You have to make sure the canopy's clear. You have to make sure you can see out of the canopy. You might have to replace the glass. There could be parts that fail from from sitting and not being used. You you, you have to spend about three to four weeks getting the aircraft up to speed before it can be released. And they were doing the a refurb program for the old uh, F-4 Phantoms back in the day because they were using them as drogue targets. So they would refurb it. They would put it back on the flight line. They'd put remote control stuff in it. They'd fly it up and shoot a missile at it. I mean, we did that for years with the F-100s, with the F-104s, with the F-4s, with the F-86s, the F-100s. I mean, stuff that went to IMARC. as soon as it gets to a certain point and a certain age, they automatically either sell it off to a foreign country or they they, you know, bring it back and fly it and blow it up with a missile. So this my point is that all of this activity is not necessarily abnormal, and all of this activity might be in lieu of replacing aircraft that are on the flight line now that are end of life, and if you go back to the uh, to the late eighties early nineties, the F one eleven was at the end of its lifespan back in the early eighties. It had been around since uh, I think it came online in either 69 or 70. We might have flown in Vietnam in 68 or 70 when it came online, but it was a low level penetrator that was designed to drop theater nuclear weapons um, in Europe. That's what the 111 was designed for. And the F 111 was based in Australia because the Australians had a, a couple of squadrons of 111s. One of those aircraft is actually sitting at the Pacific Aviation Museum, and they put the F-111 in storage for like five or six years and then brought it back out and flew it another four or five years and then retired it. So storing aircraft and moving aircraft around storage is not an uncommon thing. Do I think it's a massive conspiracy? No, I don't. I think it's probably normal operations that these guys have made hype you know hype out of of course my you know mike source was in the fucking ozarks with all those navy guys that believe the whole planet x nightmare so i didn't have a lot of faith in him what he was saying about the the whole aircraft thing in the first place the things that i'm watching right now the things that i'm hearing about right now number one i i got a phone call from master and donna who said hey I was told that Karen Fan is going to run for the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors to replace Bill Gates who's retiring. And my response was that absolutely sounds like something she would do. The very woman that killed the audits would definitely run to take over the the actual vote and hand counting in Maricopa County because that would allow her access to decide who gets into office and who doesn't get into office, and take more money and more bribes. Sorry, in more payments to Fan Construction under the guise of a a major contract, which was really signing unilateral agreement to get the Maricopa County Board of supervise the very people she was supposed to be monitoring, a pass. That would absolutely be what do she would absolutely do that, and given the fact that when Borelli released all the information about the signature matching in 2020, she was on the ground for it. It would not surprise me that she was the one that would sabotage the whole damn thing. She's a swamp creature and she's an awful human being. And there's a lot of people that are in the establishment that can't stand her as much as I can. And, you know, after the August 2nd, 2022 election, she literally called, um master on and Donna said, well, played, I'm going to leave politics. And, and he gave me the call and I'm like, yeah, that's bullshit. That's a call that says you guys outmaneuvered me this time, but I'm going to come back, leave me alone until I'm back in the public eye. Public eye. And my answer was go fuck yourself. I'm going to stay on you like a fucking tick until you either go away or you go to get, Oh, that's, that's how that game's going to work. And here's the thing about what's coming. When all this shit kicks off, money is not going to matter at all. does not going to matter how much money you have. It's not going to matter how much gold you have. It's not going to matter how much silver you have. What it's going to boil down to is can you survive, can you feed yourself, and is your community going to survive? All the other things are going to be white noise, literally. And as as far as I'm concerned, once her money, once her money and power melt away, so will she. But that shows you the level of criminality that's taken place in this state, and the other thing that you're seeing too is you're seeing the individual counties here in Arizona, at least, and I'm sure it's the same in other other states. Individual counties are starting to do their own thing around the state apparatus. The mass compliance thing that I started talking about in the very first place you're starting is that's going to spread and grow and get even worse. And then at some point, the federal government is going to try and come in and clamp down and take control and exert their power so they can tell everybody they're in control. And the public's going to say, go fuck yourself. And then things will continue to deteriorate from there. And then at some point, the cartels will start their antics. The Chinese will start their antics. And we'll, away we go. The point I'm trying to make here is, all these systems of control are falling apart. Things are already starting to get chaotic. People are already sensing something is wrong. And every single time that that uh, people sense something wrong, they they they're looking for an outlet, as in, what do I need to do? And you can be that that point. Of not only information, but that point of light to point them to a reliable source of information that can give them things to do, things to get ready for, it. but most importantly, a direction. A lot of people are waking up right now, and they want a direction. I ran into this um last week, probably ten times. In fact, I work with I work with doctors. And I work with some of the smartest people on the planet. In fact, I work with one of the doctors I work with is probably one of the foremost experts in radio uh, radiology and all the imaging systems. I mean, hands down, one of the smartest people I've ever worked with. And he's a tactical thinker, he's a strategic thinker, and he's incredibly talented at... Um, getting people past their own hangups to do good things. he's a, he's incredible he's an incredible personality in a lot of ways. Is he pain in the ass? Absolutely. He's a doctor. But the things he says and things he does are always pointed towards the same thing. How do I do better? How do I enhance the things around me? But more importantly, how do I enhance the people around me? And I'll give you case on point. And just bear with me. So, we've been trying to figure out for the last several weeks. We have this this enormous amount of churn and turnover in the field offices because people don't want to work since COVID and all the payments that they got from the federal you know federal government and the states. Uncle Sugar just want they just want to live off Uncle Sugar. They don't want to work. So the work ethic has changed. You still need people at the front desk to greet patients when they walk in the door, and you still need somebody that actually. You know, walk them back to where the machine's at and explain to them what's going to go on. And those people are cycling through at such a high rate. And it's because they don't want to show up to work. And, you know, he was he was brainstorming with the rest of the executive team. And um he's he's trying to figure out how do we motivate people to stay? How do, what's the incentive that people want, right? And he's he's interviewing people on the ground. He's interviewing people that have left. He's, he's, he's asking critical questions. And when you're around somebody like that, that you see why they're trying to do things for the right reasons, you it's infectious and you want to help. It's human nature. And we're seeing that across the spectrum right now. We're seeing people step up out of the woodwork. You know, a few a few set reps ago, I talked about what Troop was doing with his mobile his mobile aid station. That that activity alone is invaluable right now. Invaluable. And he's doing the Lord's work. And when you when you sit and you listen to the the situational awareness he has for that community, and you realize just how bad society is right now, how how bad off our society is right now, it it really is humbling. And you see somebody trying to do the right thing and help other people, and do move the ball forward, move the move the dial, the needle, however you want to say that. It's infectious because you know i I'm always I'm always talking to people on the phone, off the phone you know, coordinating, trying to trying to get information, move information around, et cetera. And he has the luxury to go do his passion. And he knows that community. And the the piece that's that's for me is humbling is the fact that most of these folks are on either meth methamphetamines, some of them are on fentanyl, some of them are on cocaine, but most of them are on hard drugs. And most of the meth heads and then the you know the, the folks that are taking meth, they're petrified of fentanyl because it's a death sentence. And it really is an architected genocide by our enemy against our population. And it's only going to take one or two different water supplies being tainted with fentanyl, and you're going to see a mass die off of people. And that's a bioweapon. And it's it's being guarded by Chinese regulars. And fentanyl is, you know, it's a pharmaceutical product. Let me say it again. It's a pharmaceutical product. This is pharmaceutical genocide of our people. And when you listen to, you know, watch some of Troop's videos where he's talking about helping the homeless and the situation and how they get these sores and you know they don't have access to water they don't access, they don't have access to to clean clothes they can't wash their hands like you know and all that sound might sound might sound easy to you well just go to the park and wash your hands in the in the water fountain well when you can't leave your shit alone and you have to take your shit with you everywhere you go or somebody will pilfer and steal your stuff or worse sell your stuff then you're screwed and how many people have been out there you know there's people out there that have dogs and the dogs you know watch over them and growl at people when they're when they're high so they don't lose their shit i mean that is the that is the the most fundamental existence and what it shows is just how far we've fallen because if you think about what a church is supposed to do don't you think the church would be out there every weekend trying to help all these homeless and, and trying and to do something about the drug problem? Isn't that, isn't that part of what your you know Christian upbringing taught, taught you? And then at the same time, wouldn't you be educating the kids to stay away from, from those kinds of drugs and be on the lookout and have situational awareness for those kind of situations? No, we're not doing any of that right now and what troops doing is not just he's not just bringing light to the homeless problem he's he's adding humanity to a problem that was dehumanized long ago all of us look through the homeless we don't look at them or look look towards them we look away from them or we look through them we don't see them and then when you add to it we just imported millions of people that don't speak our language that don't have don't have jobs and yes some of them are getting cell phones and and apartment buildings and stipends and all that other horse shit not all of them are and there's people that are on the streets right now that are veterans that have a variety of other issues going on and homeless people can be they can have mental health issues they could legitimately have lost everything for a variety of reasons they could have mental health issues they could have they could have physical issues that it runs the gamut and then you've just inserted all of these different um, nationalities from other countries that don't speak our language i was at the store on sunday and there was a gal in the parking lot clearly from africa like ethiopia or or uh, somalia and just sitting there she had no place to go Imported into the country, sitting in front of a Total Wine. She didn't have a sign. She wasn't wasn't asked. She was just sitting there. She had no place else to go. And she was sitting in a public place because it was probably the safest place for her to sit. So she didn't get raped or worse. That's why I keep saying to everybody, if we're going to get through this, You got to put your personal differences aside and see people for where they are and meet them where they are. Because if you don't, we're never going to get through this together. Not everybody can be in charge. Not everybody can be a leader. Some people have to follow. Some people have to do the work. Some people have to plan. Some people have to lead. It's a mixed bag. The point is we put our differences aside. We table our egos. And we fight the fight in front of us. You know, in the military, you have a you have the ability, you have the you have the the regimen and you have the discipline to follow orders. This is not going to be any different. The only different is we're doing it voluntarily to save our country. You have to think about the bigger picture and stop thinking about the petty infighting that that just gets in the way and it just it's just a time suck none of it results in anything positive you know there's was, there's was i routinely deconflicting um situations either in the channel with speakers with guest hosts you name it everybody's got their pet issue and i've said to my admins a hundred times and i'll keep saying it too People want me to get involved in these arguments online with one another. And my answer is you're 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 fucking adults. Act like it. Resolve the shit at your level. Reach out and talk to somebody. Make a fucking human connection and pick up the phone and find some common fucking ground. That 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 is the that's a piece of our entire society that we've completely fucking forgotten. Be an adult talk to your neighbor, find common ground, and move forward together. It's a very simple fucking concept. But yet routinely, routinely, I get phone calls, I get text messages or emails that I don't like so-and-so or I don't like what so-and-so said. This, we're never going to always agree. In fact, we probably won't agree most of the time. The point is, to respect the person enough and respect their opinion enough to accept what they're saying. Even if you disagree, you know, I'm going to use an Amazon analogy and it's going to piss people off, but it really is a really good strategy. They, they, they have this, this cultural thing called disagree, but commit. And, and, they do these things where they bring in a five-page or a two-page some summary of whatever project or feature they want to build, and they show it to everybody in all the groups that are going to be affected by it. And they go around the room, and everybody gives their feedback on the plan. But at the end of the the end of the meeting, if you if everybody agrees, it's worth pursuing. Even the the dissenters will go. I disagree, but I'm going to commit to support you. That's what we have to do to survive this. That's what we're gonna to have to do as a country to rebuild from this. And let's say, let's say the worst thing that happens out of all of this is that the federal government collapses and the currency collapses. And there's no chaos. There's there's an or there's a structure, an orderly return to a currency, et cetera. We still have to come together as a country in order to get through that. And move the country forward. And that's the best case scenario. And even with that, we still have to put aside our differences and unite as, as one country. And that, that that's the thing that the elite fear the most. They fear us coming together. They fear communities coming together. They're scared shitless of it. Because they, they know when we do, all their tricks, all their propaganda all their gaslighting, all their bullshit stops. And they have no more influence and no more control over a united community. That's why all this is so important to let go of. It's so important to let go of all the petty noise and the bullshit and focus on the bigger picture than ever before in our history. Right now is the moment to seize. And you can squander it by petty differences or you can get on board for the big fight. That's why I don't waste time on that shit. Because it's just a time suck and it doesn't do anything for the bigger picture. Just like I say to, to investors and and board members when I'm talking about building a security perimeter. They all have their pet issues. All of them are like, we should hire consultants to come in. And my answer is what are they going to do to strengthen my perimeter? And then, well, well, uh, well, yeah, nothing. Or my favorite is they should come in and look at our operational operational picture. And what's that going to do for my perimeter? I'm going to have a bunch of assholes that have a better way of doing business because they're the guys suggesting it. Coming in and telling me how to run my operations. Why the fuck would I do that? And pay money for it on top of that. You got to apply the so what test. To all of this shit. So, what does this have to do with my mission? If the answer is nothing, move on. The "so what" test is a beautiful thing. It was a 06 that uh, sorry, a full colonel that, that that gave me that years ago. I said, Colonel, how do you sur- how do you deal with all of this, this staff horse shit? He's like, Captain, this is how I do things. I listen to them. They walk in the door, their hair's on fire. They tell me a bunch of stuff, and I sit there to myself while they're talking and say, so what does this have to do with my mission? If the answer's nothing, they walk out the door, and I feed whatever they gave me into the shredder and go about my life. And that's damn good advice right now. Because we're, bit, we're being hit on the information spectrum with all kinds of different disinformation, all kinds of conspiracies, all kinds of unproven claims. People are pulling things out of their ass. And again, today I was hit with this Derek Johnson retard yet again. unless there's tangible proof that anything he has to say is real, I don't pay attention to it. Uh, here's another example. Today on it was on YouTube where I saw it. somebody sent it to me about some whistleblower from the Air Force is saying that we not only have crashed UFOs, but we have crashed UFOs with pilots. And we've been reverse engineering this stuff for years. Does that sound vaguely familiar to shit we heard back in 2012 when a Tic Tac was flying around and Navy pilots hot? Every time these guys get in trouble in D.C. or they do something stupid or something's going horribly wrong somewhere in the world, they roll out the UFO nonsense and everybody pivots and turns that way and stops paying attention. The things that matter right now, is what's happening on the ground in Ukraine. Because if that turns to shit with Ukraine, Europe falls and the U.S. falls. It's a house of cards. All of their malfeasance was done in Ukraine. All of their money laundering, all their human trafficking, all their organ harvesting, all their drug dealings, all happened in Ukraine. They are all complicit. FTX was used as a laundering system to launder money into and out of Ukraine for a variety of nefarious services. And Kevin McCarthy, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, their children, their children's children were all involved in all these shell companies that were were used to move things to the biolabs and move things from the biolabs. They've created this complex web that all terminates in Ukraine. And every single bit of it is an existential fight for them. They blew up that dam because it caused more damage to Russia than it did to Ukraine. And the Ukrainians were already talking about blowing it up months ago. That tells me in a nutshell that they're looking for any desperate way to prolong the fight to hurt Russia so that sanctions work or somebody in, in Putin's government takes him out. And I don't think it's going to work because he hasn't responded to anything. And they've been trying to provoke him in every way, shape, and form. And look, I'm not a pro-Russia guy. I'm not a pro-Ukraine guy. I'm a pro-stop-the-fucking-war-and-innocent-people-dying guy. I'm tired of war. We We should have moved past, you know, armed conflict years ago. But we have Luciferians that are homosexual pedophiles that are running the planet right now, and they all need to go. And then we'll get to some semblance of normal when all these fucking whack jobs and sociopaths are out of our government. Until then, we have to work together in order for not only our country to survive, but our way of life to survive. Pick and choose your battles. Because the poison's coming either way. I'm going to swallow poison like everybody else when I have to. And I'm going to do it with a group of people around me that I trust and I can depend on, and you should do the same. The infighting has to stop, and it has to stop today. Can't always be right, can't always be in charge, let it go, move on. And with that I'm going to end since it's June 6th. I'm going to end with a song that was really popular in World War II. It's by uh Vera Lynn. It's called "We'll Meet Again." Um, this was actually a live version that was done in London I think in 1945 and it's done with soldiers and sailors um, from uh well it's, it's British soldiers and sailors that are singing along with her. I think it's fitting into June 6th. Remember who we are. Remember what we are. And don't forget where we came from and who gave us the right to be here right now. Don't forget that. No fear, no surrender. God bless. One team, one fight. Here's Vera Lynn. We'll meet again.
1: on we meet again don't know where don't know when but i know